Thank you for joining me on Humanities Radio. I'm Janet Cunningham with the University of Utah College of Humanities. In this month, in honor of Women's History Month, I'll be talking to two women professors who are doing incredible work. First up is Sarah Yeo, Associate Professor of Communication. She specializes in science communication, specifically how emotions and humor affect attitudes towards science and technology. So we talked last year, um, shortly after you had received a grant from the National Science Foundation to study how humor affects attitudes towards science, um, kind of focusing on social media. Um, Do you want to give us an update on that study and how it's going? Yeah, that study is going really well, actually. There were two parts to that um, particular study. We were doing a survey experiment on public audiences, and we're done with that. We currently have a paper um, under review with those results, and we continue to work on the data analysis. The second part of that project uh, is sampling scientists getting scientists' attitudes and perceptions on using humor to communicate and in general, how they communicate their science. Um, So we're currently working on that. uh, And we actually are in the process of fielding that survey. We expect that to go out sometime in the next two weeks. So it's pretty exciting. Oh, exciting. Yeah, that's great. Um, So let's talk a little bit about one of your most recent projects. You recently started your own podcast, Planet SciComm. Tell me a little bit about this podcast and what prompted you to start it. Yeah, um, so the podcast, I have to say, was inspired by a data science podcast that I occasionally listen to um, called Not So Standard Deviations. And it is um, two data scientists, one at an academic institution and the other in industry, kind of just having conversations about Uh, life as a data scientist in general. And so this uh, podcast, Planet SciComm, is a collaboration between myself, um, a scientist, a computational biologist at Pacific Northwest National Labs, uh, Jason McDermott, and a scientist at Bayer, Patrick Vidot. Um, And we met, I want to say two years ago now, uh, when Patrick invited us to serve on a panel at a very large microbiology conference. Uh, It was a joint conference at the World Microbe Forum and the American Society for Microbiology. Um, And we had a really great time preparing for the panel and then we had a really great time during the conference. And um, it, you know, as these things usually do, it sparked more questions and kind of this want for continuing conversation. And so we just decided, well, let's try this podcast. I had this idea of like, well, Let's let's try this kind of podcast where, um, you know, there is a researcher in science communication and, and we're all sort of related to science communication, right? I mentioned that Jason is a computational biologist, but he is also a comic artist. He is the artist behind uh, the Twitter account Red Pen, Black Pen, and he draws comics about science. Um, and he, yeah, he has publications actually, uh, that include his comics. So scientific publications that include his comics. So, you know, he's a practitioner of science communication as well as being a researcher in computational biology. 
um, yeah, so, you know, we just sort of get together, usually on Sunday mornings where I lock myself in my closet <laughs> because it is the quietest room yep. in the house and, you know, have have conversations about science communication. And part of it is, you know, what is it like to be a researcher in science communication? What is it like to be someone who is doing science communication, right? Um, and, yeah. So is your audience scientists or to kind of help them with communicating their own science or who, who, who are you talking to? Yeah, I think I, I'm talking to um, scientists who maybe are interested in communication. I'm talking to science communication trainers, um, science communication practitioners. Uh, in a lot of ways, anyone who's sort of interested in science communication, which is a very broad audience. Um, and, and I think the idea about this is like, it's, it is a casual conversation, right? Some of it is like get to know us as people and, and what we do. It's, it's a little bit of opening the doors behind what it's like to be uh, a science communicator or somebody interested in science communication. Okay. And what is your hope or what? where do you hope this uh, podcast goes? Or what? just what are your hopes for Planet Psycom? Um, there's a lot of intrinsic... <laughs> Uh, gratification, I think, for this is in that, like, I get to think out loud, mm -hmm. essentially, with, you know, somebody who might use my research, and I get to think out loud about the the kind of challenges, the big challenges that we face in science communication, and I just get to talk about them, maybe not necessarily come up with any, you know, solutions, but I have already found that it has uh, influenced kind of my thinking process in my research. Um, and, you know, I, I would hope that uh, we, we really just continue to do this, partly because it's really fun, right, but also that it helps us progress toward kind of working on some of these grand challenges that we have in science communication. And so how, uh, when is your next episode going to be released? We are, I've been trying to like, you know, sometimes when you set up podcasts, you have, to, <laughs> yeah. you have to check the box on like how often you release each episode, yeah. right? And it's like, is it monthly? Mm -hmm. Is it? I think it'll probably be semi-monthly. We've we've done about um, one month apart so far, and we have a good slate of guests who are lined up and excited to come talk, and they consist of researchers and um, you know other science communication practitioners, so other science communicators. Um, and we're pretty excited just to have these conversations with like a lot of people. Uh, one of the things, one of the grand challenges is that um, sometimes research and practice don't talk all that much in science communication. So, you know, probably another one of these goals is to get that to happen more mm -hmm. as well. And I think this is one of the great things with podcasts, just from having done a podcast for a few years, is that you don't have to basically adhere to any specific guidelines. You can kind of change it as you go. You can release one a month, two a month. Um, you can have your guests on. You don't have to have your guests on. I mean, you can kind of change it as you see fit as you go along. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. And you know, I didn't. I don't really uh, have that much. I don't have any experience podcasting. This is a new endeavor for me, so um, it's also a learning process, and that's mm -hmm. fun too. Right. So one thing I am interested in, in from hearing from you is, as a science, as someone who researches science communication, 
how do you yourself communicate your research to scientists? I mean, I think this podcast is, you know, a great idea, but I know you're doing a, a million other things. So how do you yourself communicate your what you're doing about um, communication in science? And how do you communicate that to scientists? Yeah, I, um, one of the things, and, and it's not just scientists, I think, it's also other science communicators, right, who are not maybe at an academic institution. Um, I try as much as possible to go to the places, to the conferences, right, or the events where there are going to be more science communicators. Um, so I, I am a faculty member in communication, but I don't just go to communication conferences. I um, go to recent, like recently, I just went to the AAAS annual conference, the uh, American Association for the Advancement of Science. Um, and I try to go to the spaces and get involved in kind of the discussions, right, that involve broader groups. So not just communication scholars, right? Um, the scientists who are interested. And this is how, you know, I've, I've met um, my co-hosts on the podcast. I uh, and involved in a Department of Energy and Kavli Foundation initiative around public engagement of basic science. Um, and so these types of conversations, I think, allow me to uh, speak with other scientists, right, who might be interested and don't know where to turn. The other thing I found is that for communicators who are not at an academic institution, one of the one of the barriers that I hear quite often to sort of obtaining and reading the research is that it's simply not available, right? It's just behind a paywall. Journal articles are behind paywalls. And, and that's kind of where most of my work gets published, right? And so um, with our humor project, this uh, National Science Foundation funded one, we are going to create some more kind of easily disseminated materials in the form of infographics and things like that, white papers, um, things that are more easily accessible uh, than journal articles. But the other thing I do is, you know, and this is kind of a small drop in the bucket of this challenge, right, is to say to any communicator who, you know, I, I interact with, and most of these interactions have been online because of COVID, um, I just tell them, hey, if you need an article or it doesn't even have to be my article, right? <laughs> if, if there's some research that you think is going to help your practice, please feel free to just email me, uh, tweet at me, and I, you know, I will try to get it for you. Or, or maybe I already have it, right? Right. So. And so how, uh, how do scientists respond to, um, especially to when you're talking about using humor in social media? How do scientists respond to that? Is that something they want to do? Is it something they're hesitant of doing? Is it something they're completely unaware that they should be doing? Yeah, this is really a great question. And I think this is the point of our uh, upcoming survey is we don't really have empirical evidence or a lot of large scale kind of empirical evidence around how scientists feel about this, right? Um, in my sort of anecdotal uh, experience and in conversations with scientists, they seem pretty um, excited about doing that. One of the, you know, trust is a big, as you know, a big important part of being a communicator, right? Is to be a trusted source. Uh, and one of the dimensions of trust is this idea of warmth, right, of benevolence. And, you know, scientists score pretty high on other dimensions like competence and integrity, but they don't score particularly high on warmth, right? I mean, I think we've all heard like, or we all have, at some point have had this vision of a scientist being sort of a like 
objective, rational, kind of cold uh, profession, right? And so I think humor is one of those really easy ways. Humor is so ubiquitous, right? We use it all the time. Um, it's one of those easy ways to convey some sense of warmth, right, as an individual. Um, and of course, the details around that matter, right? So there are questions around what happens if you use a certain type of humor, like sarcasm. Maybe that doesn't play as well with certain audiences. What happens if you uh, use a lot of self-deprecating humor as a scientist, right? One of the things you hang your hat on uh, is your credentials and your expertise, but does self-deprecation undermine that, right? So these are all open questions that are very exciting um, and, and I think will be really fun to investigate. Great. And so let's back up a little or a lot. Um, what led you to the field of science communication? Because when I was listening to your podcast, I found out that that necessarily wasn't your original goal as a graduate student. So how did you get into science communication? Oh, thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm still in the phase where I like really don't expect anyone except my parents maybe to listen to this <laughs> podcast, you know? Um, but thank you for listening. Yeah, um, I, as a graduate student, so I started out, my first stint in grad school was as an oceanography graduate student. Um, I studied microbes in surface waters. Uh, and yeah, I think, so I got my master's at the University of Hawaii in oceanography. And um, I moved to the University of Wisconsin then to get a PhD in environmental engineering. And kind of while I was at Wisconsin and in the engineering department, I, I had some sense that something was missing, which sounds so cliche, right? But like, there was something about the work that I was doing that had to do with microbe cycling carbon um, that, you know, that didn't interest people that much, surprisingly. <laughs> weird. Uh, weird. Uh, and so I was thinking, well, this is so important. They're so important to our ecosystem, right? And, 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 and climate change, yet nobody seems to be as interested. And so I... <laughs> Um, I actually ended up taking an engineering professional development course in, in outreach and public engagement, and that led me to science communication. And then um, I, yeah, I ended up switching to uh, a life sciences communication, and I got a second master's and eventually my PhD in mass communications because I realized this is this is what was interesting and important to me, right? That people cared about the science I was doing, that it would hopefully make a difference. Right. So you have your NSF grant. You have this new big project of your podcast. What next? What else are you doing? Because I know those aren't the only two things that are on yeah, your to-do list. Um, yeah, there are a lot of things on my to-do list. <laughs> uh, and I, I, you know, and now I'm thinking maybe we talked before last year because last year we, I got a, I got a new NSF award. Um, and I, I now have a collaboration with PBS Digital Studio. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that is a thing that is on my to-do list, this collaboration with PBS Digital Studios, where we're thinking about how um, scientists' identities uh, and who they are, right, as individuals might mm -hmm. affect how, might affect their communication. Mm -hmm. So um, it's sort of like A-B testing for scientists in, in science shows. Okay. Um, that will be on YouTube and trying to expand the audience for science, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, 
right now PBS Digital Studios. So they they have content on YouTube um, primarily, and it's a whole series of different types of science shows. And they know that their audience is sort of what you might expect, right? Very young, um, very male, uh, very white. Mm -hmm. And so thinking about how do we expand those audiences, right? What are other groups uh, of people in the population looking for when they go online and look look for science information? Mm -hmm. Um, And then testing, you know, with different hosts, what the different hosts look like, what else they might do in their communication strategies. So that's a big to-do on Mm -hmm. my list. (laughs) The other to-do I've recently been um, interested in is uh, reproducible research. So um, thinking about how, you know, we might replicate or reproduce some of the studies in social science in general, but communication in particular um, for, for more robust findings. Awesome. Well, I, I, I know that you're very busy, very, very busy. So I, I appreciate you taking this time to talk to you, to talk to me about all your pro- projects and specifically uh, your podcast, So, which people can find on pretty much the, the big podcast platforms, correct? Yes. And it's Planet Psycom, S-C-I-C-O-M-M, for anyone who wants to go out there and find it. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> That was Sarah Yeo, Associate Professor of Communication. For more information about the University of Utah College of Humanities, please visit humanities.utah.edu and don't forget to subscribe to Humanities Radio.